Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. <laughs> That's awesome. Will you stand? We're going to read the Word of God today. Let's honor the Word of God as we read it. Only, only one verse this morning. And then you can be seated in just a second. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that, everyone say, and after that. And after that comes the judgment. We are starting a new series today titled, The After That. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive. We thank you that it's powerful. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword able to get into our life and penetrate and change us. It's alive. It changes us. I pray for a prophetic edge on this message. Lord God, to speak into the fabric of the men and women in this room and the men and women in rooms all around the world that are going to be watching this message. Invade our space. Come close. Minister to us. Send angels. Your word declares that you send angels to minister to those who've inherited salvation. And so then let angels come into this room today and minister to us individually and collectively. Lord, overshadow us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. High five the person beside you. Tell them how glad you are to be sitting beside them in church today. If you're watching online, don't forget to like the video, share it, follow us on YouTube. That would be really, really cool. Some people, and, and maybe this is you, your story, have uh, really, really cool names, like strong names. I have three grandsons. I have Marcus is my eldest, Luca is my middle grandson, and then Kai. They have cool Names. They, they have strong names. The reason they have cool, strong names is because their mothers love them. That's why they have strong names. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, a good name is better than precious ointment. Now, my parents did not give me a good name. My, 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 my legal name is Carrie John. Now, Kerry, K-E-R-R-Y, is a girl's name. When I was in elementary school, there were three of us in my class who had the name Kerry, and only one of us was a dude. <laughs> my parents called me Kerry. I think it's because my older sister was phenomenal. They had, she's 10 years older than me. They had a beautiful girl. And I think they probably wanted another girl. And so they called me Carrie. And you're probably saying, no, that can be used as a boy's name as well. They probably didn't want a girl. I don't think that's true. Have a look at this photo of me on my christening. On my christening. That, look at me. I'm in a dress. They called me Carrie. And they put me... In a dress. What chance did I have in life? 
I said to my mum once, I said, what would, what would cause you to, to possess you to take a beautiful, you know, eight pound, 10 ounce baby boy and call him Carrie? And she said, well, I got your name out of a knitting book. And I thought, well, well, maybe, maybe there was a, maybe there was a design in there for like a, a rugby player, like a, like a Ford, a big, big rugby player. And, and she was inspired by, by the rugby sweater. And, 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 and the rugby player's name was Kerry. Or, or maybe it was a hunter. Maybe it was a hunter and, and maybe his mother wanted him to go out and hunt wild animals and wanted to be warm while he was hunting and she knitted him this, this dark, you know, sweater so he could be like a camouflage sweater so he could hide and, and, and hunt. And, and, and she said, no, it, it, it was a doll. I got named after a doll. Bible says in Ecclesiastes, a good name is better than Carrie. No, a good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. I, I don't know about you, but that, that's a slightly weird statement. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. That, that has not been my life experience. There are, there are tears at both occasions. When I was handed my eldest daughter, Sharia, and my daughter, Brooke, and uh, my, 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 my daughter, Chloe, you know, every time I held my babies in my hand, I, I, I cried at their birth because it was so amazing. And there were tears of joy and, and, and tears of gratitude to God. And, and tears are, are, are shared on somebody's deathbed, but it's generally not tears of joy. Normally, they're tears of, of mourning. They're, they're very different days. Uh, if you know uh, Nico and Jimena, uh, they're on our team here, and recently they had a beautiful little girl, uh, Lily, and they and Amanda gave birth to Lily, and and we were so excited about uh, her arrival. I I was sending text messages to to Nico every day, like, is she here yet? Uh, you know, tell your wife I said push, um, sort of trying to send hints uh, 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 along. In fact, the day that she was born, I, I take a lot of credit, uh, just to be honest with you, I take a lot of credit for her actually being born on the day she was born because I, I sent a video the day she was born. I, I, I sent, can we play that video? I sent this video the day she was hey, born. Lily, this is uh, your favorite Uncle John. We haven't quite officially met yet. Um, and I've been waiting now a long time for you to be born. And we thought that you were going to be born a few days ago, and you just seem to be really taking your time. No pressure. I know you're, I know you're only little, but I just got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't really have a lot of patience to wait for things and special gifts. Like I like to open Christmas presents before Christmas Day and stuff. Um, so anyway, uh, it would be awesome if you could be born today. We would, we would love that. We're all like, I'm excited. And um, Anna's excited, and and she's probably going to be your favorite aunt. And then, you know, we're all excited, the whole planet, pretty much. And so if you could be born today, we'd really appreciate that. You've got a wonderful mummy and daddy. You're going to love them. It's going to be awesome. Your dad's going to cry a lot. He's going to have to get used to that. There's nothing you can do. You're going to be cute. He's going to cry. So anyway, we all, we all love you. And uh, I just noticed that my hair is a little crazy, so hopefully... Uh, I can get that sorted out and done before you're born. Um, we love you. Bye. 
And I, I would suggest that you don't normally send somebody a video encouraging them to die. <laughs> They're very different occasions. So why does it say that the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth? The day of your birth, you are given a name, even though it's not maybe a good name. And the day of your death, you actually have given your name meaning. You give your name legacy. You give your name a memory. And the memory of who you are, your life, is going to be wrapped up, is going to be contained in your name. When people say your name, they're going to think of you. On our gravestones, we'll have our name. There'll be the day we are born and then a dash and the day that we die and that dash in between our birth date and our death date is represents our life that gives that name on the gravestone meaning that 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 dash is what gives us it represents our purpose i want to encourage you to live the dash live the dash well live your dash glorifying jesus Live your dash impacting the lives of other people. How you live your dash will determine how you will be remembered. The dash gives your name legacy. That is your life. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, that that day is coming to all of us. I pray for all of us that it's a long way away. And after that comes the judgment. The after that is the judgment. Now, the scripture here is speaking about the judgment of eternity, and we're going to look at that next week. But there is another judgment that we don't tend to talk a lot about that, and that's in the after that. And that's the judgment that uh, you leave behind. It's the judgment of, of other people that are making on how they engage, interacted, and live with you. It's the judgment of your family. It's the judgment of your friends. It's the judgment of the church that you are a part of. It's the judgment of how other people remember you. It's how they think about you when your name is mentioned. And when we add it all up, the good, the bad, the indifferent, your name ends up becoming your eulogy. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 17 to 18, it gives Judas's eulogy. This is what it says. For he was numbered among us, and he was allotted his share in this ministry. Now, this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. Now, the passage starts off really cool. He was numbered among us, and he was allotted his share in this ministry. He was numbered among us. He was one of us. He was family. He was a part of the original Dozen. He walked with us. He did life with us. He ministered with us. He saw miracles happen with us. He fed the 5,000 with us. He heard the teachings of Jesus with us. He's been engaged with us. He was going to be one of the apostles of the early church. The Bible says that the names of the apostles are written in the foundations of heaven. 
He was allotted a part. He took part in the ministry and all the opportunities that the disciples had, Judas had. You think about that. He could have written books of the Bible. He could have planted the church, the early church. He could have led ministries. He could have raised up a network of disciples. He could have positively impacted literally tens of thousands of people for Jesus. He had the opportunity to do all those things. But when the opportunity is laid out on his on his eulogy, then all of a sudden it just takes a nasty, like a horrible turn. And it said, now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. Falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. That, that was the turnaround point. I, I, I want to encourage you, be, be really careful what you buy into. You need to be really cautious about allowing yourself to buy into certain things. Don't, watch what you get caught up in. Watch what conversations you have. Be, be really cautious about the partnerships or the... the, the the friends that you gather in your life, be, be, be diligent, be vigilant. Don't, don't buy into the field of bitterness. Don't, don't buy into the field of anger. Don't buy into the field of hate. Don't buy into the field of resentment. Don't buy into the field of adultery. Don't buy into the field of jealousy. Don't buy into the field of compromise. Don't buy into the field of addiction. Don't buy into the field of offense. Don't buy into the field of selfishness. Don't buy into those things. His life was on a great path. It was heading in a great direction. But the Bible said he fell headlong. He went headfirst. Watch what you allow to get inside your head. Guard your thought life. We have to be vigilant to guard our thoughts. We have to be vigilant to guard our, our words. We have to be uh, vigilant to guard against the voices of discontent. We need to be vigilant to guard against disappointment. We need to be vigilant to guard against discouragement. We need to be vigilant to guard against the, the spirit of division in this age. Watch what you allow to get into your head. Guard your headspace. He bursts open in the middle and all his bowels, one translation says his entrails gushed out. What, what a horrible, what a, he, he started off great, but he allowed things to get into his head and his life ended up a mess. That became the after that for Judas. This is what people are writing about Judas. This is their judgment. This is his eulogy. This is the impact he had on other people. Now, when we say the name Judas, his name is the sum total of his eulogy that wraps up his name, for he was numbered among us. He was allotted his share in this ministry. Now, this man acquired a, a, a field with the reward of his wickedness, the benefit of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. Judas was a 
name given to a whole heap of people in that day. And he was glad to have the name Judas. Probably a lot of people glad to have the name Judas. Didn't have the name Carrie, but 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 Judas was given a name, and that was a common name, Jude Judas, in that 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 day. But but no one after that really wanted to be called Judas. Like after that, it soiled the name. Even one of the Judases of the Bible didn't want to be called Judas. In John chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Judas, and in brackets, not Iscariot, said to him. Could you imagine that? Your name is Judas, and you're like, hey, John, I know you're going to write down some of these things. You're probably going to write down what I'm saying to Jesus right now. When you're writing it down, can you be really clear? It's not the other Judas. I am Judas, not Iscariot. Could you imagine, mate? That, that's the result. Judas, not Iscariot. That's like saying, hey, how you doing? My name is Adolf, not Hitler. Nice to meet you. My name is Charles, not Manson. Hey, how you doing? My name is Donald, not Duck. Like, like. But what a horrible thing to happen to his name. Someone who started with so much potential for greatness ends up in such a bad spot. And so I want to, and obviously those things got in his spirit over a period of time, but I want to go back like to the scene of the crime where a lot of this unfolded for him and went sour. It was a result of things that were already in his life, but I think this is a manifestation of that. Mark 14, verse 3 to 11 says, while he was at Bethany in the house uh, of Simon the leper, probably not a popular place for the guy called Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask, poured it over his head. And there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus, everyone say, but Jesus, said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. For you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told as a memorial for her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And so he sought an opportunity to betray him. What are the things that, that tarnished Judas's after that? First, I, I think it's being easily offended. It says, they said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? They, 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 they said to themselves, offense is a conversation that you've got to have in you. And I want to encourage you, don't cultivate an offended spirit. Offense creates toxic conversations in your mind. 
They said to themselves, it's a, a, a conversation that you need to have in your own mind. That it's only playing out in your mind. And I want to encourage you, you don't need to start the conversation. I believe being offended is a choice. You choose to be offended. Now, I'm not saying that people don't do offensive things. People can do offensive things, but, but, but to be offended, to take, to take that on board and hold the offense is a decision. In the parable of the talents, Jesus said about one of the servants that, that he said, I knew you, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you had no investment. Now, none of that was true. But he had a conversation playing out in his own mind. It only existed in the mind of the unfaithful servant, of the lazy steward. But it was a conversation playing out in his own mind. We, we can choose not to be offended. We live in a society now that's, that's got people offended on things that happened years ago. People are replaying movies that happened years ago and playing the movie and being offended that the movie even existed on the planet and being offended by it, canceling it because I'm, I'm so offended by a movie that you didn't need to watch, but it existed and it offended you. It, it's, a, it's a choice. Some years back, it was, preaching was fun. You could, you could do foreign accents. And I, I'm a Pentecostal, and I was gifted with many foreign accents. <laughs> Baptism of the Holy Ghost. But, but you can't use any of those accents now, because everyone's offended that you're using an accent. And it's not even the people from the country that you're using the accent from that gets offended. It's people in the room that are offended that don't even have that accent, that are offended that you did that accent. They're offended for somebody else. Now, if you haven't noticed, I am an Australian. I have an accent. I've lived in America for 20 years. And on occasions, people will come up and they will do an Australian accent. G'day, mate. How you going? Chuck another shrimp on the barbie. And my response is like your response. I laugh. You know why? Because it's funny. Ha <laughs> You're trying to sound like me and you don't. You sound British. And we all left England. Unless today you're British in the room. We love England. God save our gracious King. But if you set your mind to be offended, you're going to get offended. I had people take me to Outback Steakhouse. I don't consider that racism. It's just a free steak. It's not even an Australian restaurant. But I'm not offended. Why? Because I just choose not to let it offend me. Why? I, I, don't have the, I don't have the luxury to be offended. I don't think we have the luxury to be offended. Don't give people permission to offend you. I, I, offense is a choice. It's a choice and you don't need to be offended. Jesus taught us to pray, Father, forgive me as I forgive those who sin against me. It's a predetermined decision to forgive. 
We need to forgive people before they hurt us. We need to forgive people before they disappoint us. He taught us to forgive those who sin against us. It's going to happen. You've got to lay aside the sin and weight that so easily besets you. You're not going to get through life without being hurt or somebody doing something dumb. So just make a predetermined decision. I am a person who forgives easily. I'm going to let it go. I'm not carrying your extra baggage. I'm not carrying your offense. I'm not carrying your, your wound. I'm going to live light, lay it aside, and run the race that Jesus has given you. Anybody in the house, get ready to lay some things aside. A judgmental attitude will, will, will soil your soul. For this oil could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. So they're making a decision on what somebody else should be doing with their own money. You know your opinion is overinflated when when you're offended by what somebody else does with their money. You know how many people are online making judgment against the church because we want to give to the church. And they're judging us. Well, I wouldn't do that. Well, you're not doing that. Don't do it. We're not asking you to do it. But don't judge us for being generous towards God. If I want to be generous towards God, if I want to be generous towards the kingdom, if I want to see lives impacted in El Salvador, if I want to see lives impacted in Ghana, if I want to see lives impacted in Ethiopia, if I want to see lives impacted in Peru, if I want to see lives impacted all over the world, if I want to see lives impacted in our community, if I want to see women ministered to at a conference, if I want to see people healed today, if I want to invest in that, then that's my right. Don't judge me for what I do with my money. Use your money for your own thing. If you want to invest in alcohol, knock yourself out. I don't think that's a good investment. You obviously think it's fantastic. Drink away. I don't want to invest in drugs. I I, I don't want to invest in things that bring pain and tragedy to my life. I don't want to invest in those things. So let's not judge other people on what they invest into. Let's just be, be, be cognizant of what we invest into. And so they're offended by, by, by this woman. They're making judgment because offense soils your opinion, contaminates your attitude, and it breeds a judgmental spirit. Judge not, the Bible says, because whatever measure you judge by, it's going to be measured back to you. What, what, what relationships would you be willing to sacrifice in order to be correct? Making a judgment because you want to be correct. But opinion without all the facts is going to be the enemy of our soul. Do you think that they would have made the same judgment had they had some more facts? Do you think if they knew that Jesus is going to be crucified on the Friday that they would have made that call on the Tuesday? If they knew they only had Jesus for a few more days, do you think anybody would have been angry at her anointing Jesus? No, they, they, they would have been happy for that. But they didn't have all the facts. They didn't have all the information. And so they're judging her ahead of the cross. Would they have the same opinion of oil being wasted the day after the crucifixion? 
Now, it's not wrong to have an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. I'm an opinionated person. Let's just be real. And so it's not wrong to have an opinion. God gave us a mind to use. It's not an ornament. It's not filling space between your ears so your head doesn't collapse in. So it's okay to think. It's okay to have an opinion. But it's what you do with your opinion that really matters. You've got to be willing to sacrifice your opinion sometimes for the welfare of the vision. Sometimes just letting your opinion die will, will, and, and your judgment die will bring blessing onto your life. Jesus said to Peter, he'd been fishing all day, he said, cast your net in again. The net's in. Peter said to Jesus, everyone say to Jesus. He didn't say it to the disciples. Here's the difference between opinion and gossip. It's all about the address. If you have an opinion and you give your opinion to somebody who can do something about it, that's an opinion. But when you give your opinion to somebody who can't do anything about it except spread your opinion and cultivate a little hub of negativity, then that's gossip. And the Bible says that God hates those who sow discord amongst the brethren. God doesn't hate you for having an opinion. He gave you a brain. He just doesn't like you sowing discord amongst the brethren. So Peter could have gone to the other disciples and he could have been like, hey, can you get this? Jesus, save your boy over here. He tells me to throw the net in. He's a carpenter. What does he know about fishing? I'm a fisherman. It's what I do for a trade. So they call me Peter the fisherman. Somebody cast my net in. No, not doing it. No, he didn't. He went to Jesus and he said to Jesus, hey, listen, I've been fishing all day. I've caught nothing. There's nothing out there. And Jesus said, throw it in. And he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to surrender. I have an opinion. I'm going to surrender my opinion. I've caught nothing, which was factual all day. He surrenders his opinion and then he catches a catch so large that he can't even contain it. He is so blessed that he can't even contain the blessing. That's what happens when we just say, you know what, I have an opinion, I think my opinion's right, but I'm going I'm to surrender it for the welfare of the vision. People will leave church over an opinion. It's crazy to me. They'll break relationships that they've had for years over an opinion. And I want to encourage you, even if your opinion is correct... There's not going to be a day in heaven where God celebrates the correct people. I know you're hoping for that. But I, I don't think God's going to be there one day like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Hey, look at this way. Angels, you can stop singing for a second. Take time out. Yeah, put your harp down, Gabriel. Now, I just want to tell you all, you've been waiting for this, some of you, for a really long time. Been in heaven for a long time right now. This is your day. This is your day. And uh, this is the day we celebrate all the people that were correct with their opinion. So we're going to celebrate the correct people. Come on, all the correct people, get up on the stage right now and give you a round. And you're not going to be up there and the angels aren't going to be bowing down. No, there's no celebration for correctness. It's not going to happen. So even if you're correct, just sometimes it's good to let it go if it doesn't really matter too much and, 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 and give it to the right people and talk those things through. But, but don't sacrifice relationships on an opinion. Don't break relationships on that. Naaman nearly lost his life over an opinion. 
nearly die because of an opinion. Don't, don't let that happen in your life. Because those things, then they just breed obstinate and objectionable behavior. Bible says they scolded her. Another translation says they criticized her sharply. I want to encourage you, you can, you can disagree without being nasty. You cannot agree with somebody without being rude. It's sad to me that, that, that Christians can camouflage their nastiness in holiness. That they can be just downright mean and downright nasty and downright rude and then shroud that in sort of like, like I'm this super spiritual, super holy person. I've got it all together. Don't, 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 don't shroud your nastiness in, in holiness. People lose their mind. Don't, 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 don't get all angry and resentful. I, I, you know, I, I fly a lot, and if you go to the United Airlines website or any airline's website, you're going to see people writing on there. Their, their plane got delayed. Their plane got cancelled. Their holidays got ruined. I, and, and that's never fun. We were on a cruise this year. Our plane got delayed, and, and we missed the first day of our cruise and had to take a different route back at the end of the cruise, and it sort of messed that up a little bit. But we made the best of it. I, I'm not going to get angry about that. We just made good... Uh, to be honest with you, I think in the end, it was better for us that our cruise got cancelled than had we done the cruise in the first place. But we just had a good attitude. Why? Because I know things happen. I had a, I had a flight to Australia that was cancelled and I missed a whole day of a conference. But, but, but things get cancelled. But people are losing their mind. They're yelling at people that don't control the world. Losing their mind. Just, just keep a calm in your spirit. Listen, even though they cancelled my flight to Australia, I still got there in two days. Two days. I got to Australia from D.C., in two days. It wasn't that long ago that it took forever to get. You had to get on a wagon. You had to go across America. Hopefully not die of scurvy. You had to get to California and get on a boat and row. Or swim. Dodging the sharks and the saltwater crocodiles. And we've got the, 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 the luxury right now of being able to fly there and, and, and just being delayed a couple of days. Don't let, don't let those things get in you. Don't let bitterness of soul get inside you. Don't get bitter on the inside. If you get bitter on the inside, it'll create relational hurt. If you get bitter on the inside, you know, it, it'll destroy you. It'll, it'll breed bad things in you. And the Bible says here, he sought an opportunity to betray him. He was looking for an opportunity to find fault. He was looking for an opportunity to be disconnected. He was looking for an opportunity to be bitter. These things got in his spirit and he was waiting the moment. Relationships are destroyed when our, when our soul is spoiled by offense, anger, arguments, and criticism. And here's the truth, only someone really close to you can be close enough to betray you with a kiss. If you're really going to be offended, it's very rarely going to be by a stranger. Like a stranger may say something to you and you'd be like, I don't like that. It's not going to break your spirit. Usually we're offended when somebody we love says something dumb or something hurtful to us. 
But don't allow it to get in your get in your spirit. The result of it is your after that becomes one of smudges, stains, sores, and scars. And so the sum total of Judas's eulogy is he bought a field with the wages of iniquity, fell headlong, burst open in the middle, his entrails gushed out, his life was a mess. We need to choose to live like this Mary that creates such an after that, that Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, talk about this woman. What did she have? She had a passion uh, for life and for other people. Bible says what she has done was a beautiful thing for me. The message Bible says she has done something wonderfully significant for me. The Passion Translation says she has honored me with this beautiful act of kindness. How, how, how can we look for an opportunity just to do beautiful things for people? How can we be a bringer of beautiful things, committed to bringing beauty and beautiful things, joy and joyful things in the world around us? That's what we should be committed to. Not allowing ourselves to be uh, uh, offended, but uh, allowing ourselves to live light so we can help other people live light. When you're in the room, you're supposed to be the light. You're supposed to be the joy. You're supposed to be the life. We are, we are filled with the abundant life of Christ Jesus. And so don't allow obstinate, objectionable things to, to, to wreck us. Think about others before you think about yourself. When you walk into the room, have the goal. I'm going to light up the room. When you come to church on Sunday, just don't be sitting in a seat. Walk into the lobby. Be the light in the lobby. Smile at somebody. Good to see you today. Can you imagine how different your workplace would be? I'm offended. <laughs> but now I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm unoffended already. See how quick you can do that? Can you imagine how different work would be tomorrow if you just walk in smiling rather than frowning? If you walk up to your boss and say, you're amazing. Walk up, hey, looking great today. You're fantastic. Just, just, just make a decision to do that, be, be, be intentionally generous. The Bible says she did what she could. In other words, live with premeditated decisions to be generous in every area of your life, every opportunity that arises. This was premeditated generosity. She, she'd made a decision before she arrived at the house. She brought the alabaster flask with her to the house which means she made a decision, I'm going to anoint Jesus before I get there. Some say she may not even have been invited to the house. She gate-crashed the party. So this was premeditated. It was well thought out. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 to 7, he says, I want you to have all the time you need to make this offering in your own way. I don't want anything forced or hurried at the last minute. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give, what you will give. 
That'll protect you against sob stories, against arm twisting. God loves it when a giver delights in the giving. You can delight in generosity when it's premeditated. Well, you're not forced to do it. You, you, you have a, I can do that decision already welling up in your heart. I'm going to be a blessing decision already welling up in your heart. Your generosity is not based on what somebody else can do or what somebody else has done. It's just based on what you can do. You can be generous with your words. You can be generous with your thoughts. You can be generous with your actions. You can be generous with your compliments. You can be generous with your gifts. You can be generous with your love. You can be, you can be generous with your hugs. You can just be premeditated acts of generosity. Learn to say thank you. Learn, learn to let people know you love them. I made a predetermined decision. My children are going to know that they're going to know that they're going to know that their dad loves them. I made a decision that my grandchildren are going to know that they know that they know that they know that I love them. Sometimes I'll sit my, my, my grandson Marcus on my, on my knee and we'll be just chatting and, and, I'll, and I'll say to him, Marcus, you're awesome. And he'll say, no, you're awesome. And I go, no, you're more awesome than I'm awesome. He says, no, you're awesome. And then I go, you're amazing. And he'll say, no, you're amazing. And I'll say, I love you. He said, no, I love you. And he usually finishes it by saying, you're a pickle. <laughs> I have no comeback for that. I'm a pickle. I, I, I text my daughters every now and then. I love being your dad. Thank, thank you for being my, my world. I text my wife. I try to text my wife on a daily basis and tell her on a daily basis, not just in a text, but with my words, I love you. Thank you for marrying me. You had options. Thank you for not having those options. <laughs> you made my life awesome. I, I, I love being married to Anna. I, I, I got home from El Salvador late last night, got into bed. She was already asleep, and I was just lying beside her, just thanking God. Thank you, God. I get to be married to Anna. And, and I want to encourage you, just, just cultivate that. That's not because I'm special. You can do that. You don't need to be a genius to do that. You just have to have a predetermined decision to be generous in your words. Tell people you know you love them. Every opportunity you have to do good comes with a use-by date. Maximize your moment. That's the next point. Maximize every opportunity you have to do great. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Life is about maximizing those moments, taking hold of those moments. The disciples were totally unaware of how significant that moment was. But had they known, they would have maximized their moment. Seek opportunities to be nice and not nasty, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Two women ran to the tomb. You know what they ran to the tomb to do? To anoint the body of Jesus for burial. And when they got there, stones rolled away, angels there, and says, what are you doing here? We've come to anoint the body of Jesus for burial. And they said, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Your opportunity has gone. The opportunity of a lifetime exists within the lifetime of the opportunity. Every opportunity that you have to do good comes with a use-by date. Every opportunity that you have to show love comes with a use-by date. 
My mother used to have this poem on her refrigerator. It says this. It says, if with pleasure you are viewing anything that I am doing, if you like me or love me, tell me now. Don't withhold your celebration till the pastor makes oration and I lie with snowy lilies on my brow. For no matter how you shout it, I won't give a rip about it. I won't care how many teardrops you have shed. If you think some credit due me, now's the time to slip it to me because I cannot read my tombstone when I'm dead. I wonder who you should call today. I wonder who you should send a letter to or a card and say, hey, I love you. I wonder who we should be asking to forgive us. What does your behavior leave behind? I, 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 want, I, want, I want to love abnormally. I, 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 want, I want my children, my grandchildren, my family, my friends, I want them to remember, man, it was, it was fun hanging around with John. And they're going to remember my name is John because I stopped being called Carrie at 10. I said, I can't do that. I shall be called John. Everywhere I go, I call, get called John, except at legal places. Everywhere legally, my name is Kerry. And I know it's a girl's name because if I check into a hotel with my wife, Anna, and they see Kerry on the reservation... They look straight at Anna and they say, hello, Mrs. Kerry Morgan. <laughs> I believe my parents love me, but I struggle when I think about my name being Kerry. <laughs> Live a life so large, the band can come right now, that it reverberates beyond the grave. Can we just be like that? Can we just live a life so big that it lives beyond us that when people mention our name... That they have great thoughts. Wherever, think about this. Jesus said this, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial for her. A good name is better than precious ointment. She poured the ointment over Jesus. She poured the perfume over Jesus, but her name was so much better than the ointment she poured out over Jesus. Because when the, when the smell of the ointment died out, the fragrance of her name lived on. A good name. When I leave a good name, we want to leave legacy. When people think about you, they're like, oh man, I, 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 I miss him. I, I, I miss her. We should desire to leave a legacy that influences others for better, illustrates the, the, the magnificent life that we get to live in Christ Jesus as Christ followers. We need to leave a legacy that inspires generational generosity, that illuminates the goodness of Jesus Christ. That when, when people say our name, that they think, man, that person was a, was a, a, a follower of Jesus. Maybe in your life they'll say, man, I knew him or I knew her before they were a Christian. But then they got saved. Then Jesus came into their world. And man, everything turned around. Everything changed. I, I don't understand. And even people that may not even come to Christ will look at your life and go, I... I don't understand it all. I don't get it all, but, but 
But when they, when they become a Christian, they're nicer, they're friendlier, they're more caring, they're more loving, they're willing to put other people first. They're more fun. Don't you think the church should be fun? I'm tired of Christians feeling like they need to be baptized in bad vinegar. Nothing worse than going to a church where everyone's frowning and judging and criticizing and looking down their big, long religious nose, making judgments. Now, come on. Let's leave a sweet fragrance. Let our lives leave a sweet fragrance for Jesus. Think about Judas. He's, he's going to be remembered for betraying Jesus, selling out, being, bringing hurt to other disciples doing his own thing, his own way, on his own agenda. And it didn't end up good for him. But this Mary, her after that, Jesus said, remember her. Talk about her. Think about that. 2,000 years ago, in some, you know, obscure house, Simon the leper's house, she did something in secret, didn't think the whole world would know. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about her in a positive way, saying, let's be like this woman. Her name lived beyond. A good name is better than ointment. We get to write our own eulogy. We get to allow people to remember us for our generosity. And it can start today. Be generous in your words. Be generous in your love. Be generous in your attitude. And sometimes we just got to guard ourselves. It, it just, just takes a moment for us not to be generous. I've caught myself multiple times. I caught myself last night on a plane about not to be, about not to be generous. And I thought, you know what? Just, what does it really matter? And it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I could have chosen not to be generous. And it wouldn't have mattered, but I chose to be generous. And I think it, it mattered to God. It may not have mattered to anybody else, but it mattered to God. It mattered to me. Can you live like that? We're tempted every day not to do it. But, but at Word of Life, can we be known as a church that's generous? Not just being international and having different cultures here. That's awesome. I love that. But can we be known as a church full of life and love and, and, and embracing people and welcoming and engaging and just generous in everything we do? Can you stand? Let's stand together right now. Yeah, let's give the Lord a great round of applause right now. Come on, just thank Him. Can you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, come and minister to us. Lord, I pray for people in our church today that have been hurt, really hurt, really disappointed. For them to, to get into the position I'm talking about is, is a big leap. Some of them have divisions in their family, some of them have experienced the heartbreak and the disappointment of divorce, tragedy in their marriage. They, 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 they want to do the things we've talked about today. 
They really want to be that person, but they're struggling through a field of relational brokenness. And so I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, start healing us from the inside out. Heal our brokenness, heal our insecurity, heal our offense, heal our wounds. Lord, I pray for people that have had horrible things spoken into their soul, yelled, screamed into their face. Such discouraging words just screamed. I I feel like there's somebody here today and Holy Spirit's ministering to you and I I see you standing there and I I believe it's his spouse and somebody close. It may may be be a a parent, but they're, they're standing, they're screaming. They're screaming at you yelling the intensity and I see you I see you shrinking back and and those words are penetrating your soul they're like invisible bullets going into your soul and releasing pain toxins all through your body and you struggle you struggle to be overcoming that and God I I I pray today Lord on that that word that you would heal people deep in their soul deep in their soul Lord, I, I, I pray for your church today that, Lord, you would bring us to a place where we'd repent, we'd lay our life down, we'd say, sorry, Lord God, for the way we've let you down, for doing things our own way, to living life, Lord God, out, outside your scripture, for, for being selfish and self-centered, Lord God. I pray that you would heal us and you'd heal our families. Lord, you'd let healing permeate across this church. Lord, broken lives, destroyed lives. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now as we we sing worship to you, as we sing this song, I pray that you'd pour out grace. I pray that you'd pour out love. I pray that you'd pour out healing. Just drink from the Holy Spirit right now, online, in this room right now. Just allow the Holy Spirit to minister. As we worship God together, allow the Holy Spirit to come and just minister to you and touch you.